Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Recovery Show, where we discuss practical, actionable steps for anyone who wants to achieve their dream of getting and staying well, happy and free from any form of alcohol dependence. Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Recovery Show. In today's episode, I have a segment from an interview that I did with Lewis David, answering some of our readers' and listeners' questions. We begin and end today's segment with a discussion on negativity, where it comes from, and most importantly, how to deal with it. So listen on for some top tips on staying sober and staying positive. Enjoy. The book, Change Your Life Today, um, in that particular book, you do write about people's lifestyles and, and how their lifestyles can hamper their goals. What would be your top tip to help people break out of a pattern of living that is sabotaging their success and happiness? Well, I, th- I think, first of all, you need perspective on what's going on. And you're probably going to get that by getting help. Now, whether that's in, in the form of uh, getting a book, whether it's a form of uh, getting some sort of professional help, uh, whether it's uh, in the form of uh, getting help from uh, a trusted friend, whatever it might be, it's probably going to come from getting outside influence to give you perspective because your own thinking has led you to the situation that you're in. It's probably going to be by getting perspective from someone else's thinking, that you're going to get that inspiration and insight to uh, see a way forward for yourself. Once you've done that, the next thing you need to do is to get a plan. A plan is, you know, it, it sounds boring, it sounds too simple, but simply so, if you have a plan to get you to whatever is whatever is your new vision for yourself that's how you do it the idea of a plan it provides a framework for quite a few of the winds press books and i know the answer to this question but for our listeners benefit why do you think it is beneficial to have a plan you've touched on that a little bit but do you want to say a bit more about that yeah because it's it's very uh, you know, if you suddenly have the idea that you're going to do something major in your life, such as, you know, giving up drinking, for instance, but it could be a, a whole number of things in your life. You might decide you're going to change a career or, 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 or whatever it might be. Having a plan is, is, is absolutely vital. And, uh, and having a plan that you can follow really on a daily basis and follow on the bad days as well as the good days what tends to happen with people is you get an idea yeah I'm going to do this I'm going to do that you have a sudden burst of enthusiasm but then it dies off you know we see this every year in January Um, not surprisingly my books sell a lot in January because people are doing you know uh, dry January that sort of thing but once you get past that, that initial rush of enthusiasm uh, what what happens then? And it's your plan that can keep you going. Having a simple plan is how people can achieve great things by by following a simple step every day. In your book, The Emotional Mind, you talk about the importance of relaxation. 
how do you relax and what do you do to de-stress? Well, I think my, my favourite form of relaxation is um, getting out and particularly getting uh, out into uh, attractive places, places that are naturally attractive, that, that always makes you feel good, always makes you feel relaxed. In, in the past, when I've been going through difficult times and uh, I've needed to relax, perhaps you know, when things have been really stressful at work, something I, I've, I've leaned on heavily in the past is mindfulness, which I've found to be really helpful. Um, but, uh, but yes, in, in, in good times, if I, if I have the opportunity, getting out, walking, being out and about in nature, often with a golf club in my hand, but maybe not. But that's, that's the sort of thing I, I do to relax. Just staying with the book, The Emotional Mind, uh, there's a chapter in that book on addictions and how they affect emotions. Why does addictive behaviour affect emotions so profoundly? Well, because if you have an addiction um, to whatever, uh, that becomes central to your life. And if you cannot have that one thing, um, and obviously uh, people listening to this podcast, that one thing is probably going to be alcohol. But it could be other things as well. Um, if you cannot have that one thing that you have an addiction for, everything seems bad because you can't get that thing. You, you, you are focused on that one thing. And that's why it affects your emotions because you could be in a situation where, um, you know, if, 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 you, if you have a, an ongoing addiction to, to alcohol, you could be in a situation where your life is absolutely wonderful. But if you can't get your hands on a drink at the time when you normally have a drink, you aren't going to feel wonderful. And that's why addictions will affect, will affect your emotions. Also, of course, if we're talking about substances like alcohol uh, as being an, an addictive thing, they are uh, mood changing and they can change your mood in different ways. You know, typically with alcohol, when, when people have their first drink, it tends to raise their mood. But you go to a few drinks down the line and it brings the mood down. Um, so if you are dealing with something that's, that's mood altering, you have to realise that as well as improving your mood, it can also take you the other way. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting. I was I was reading something the other day and it was talking about how that, you know, when, when, when we drink, the of course the inhibitions go and the inhibitions come from that more complex, more recent develop, you know, part of the brain that's developed, the neocortex. And what does that leave? That leaves that real primitive limbic brain. So it's a primitive limbic brain that is running the show. And of course, you talk a lot about in that book, The Emotional Mind, about those those two types of brains or minds, if you want to look at it in, in those sorts of terms, that we all have. And basically by drinking, we are wiping out that more the adult brain that makes the decisions and puts the brakes on things when behaviour starts to get out of hand. And it, and it leaves us with that uh, that raw, primitive brain. And no wonder people start fights and, you know, all the rest of it, things go downhill rapidly. Yeah. If that, that's really what is basically controlling somebody once all the inhibitions are gone. Yes, I mean, that, that feeling of being less inhibited can, can, can feel quite pleasant to start off with. And... and uh... 
you know, th this is this is why alcohol is um, associated with socialising. But but yes, you know, it can go too far. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're just staying with that book, the emotional mind, if that's okay. The book also has a chapter on negativity. And, of course, this is something that people mention quite a lot. And what do you think is the root cause of people becoming very negative? Partially it can be circumstances in your life. But that's only part of it. Because you can meet people who live in quite difficult circumstances, who are really quite cheerful and genuinely happy. Equally, you can meet people who have a lot in their life. They have a lot in terms of their relationship, money, home and so forth, who are really miserable. Uh, so clearly um, your circumstances doesn't actually rule the show when it comes to negativity. I think something which is um, uh, key to negativity is something called confirmation bias. This is where you tend to look for something that confirms your belief. For instance, let's say uh, there's someone in your life. Let's say it's your, your, your work and it's your boss. And you think that your boss is a, the most terrible person on earth and, you, and you, you hate that person. Now, that's your bias. That's your belief. And it, confirmation bias, how it works, is that you will tend to pick up very much on all the things your boss does that you think silly, things that irritate you. But when your boss does something which you would normally consider positive in another person, you will choose to ignore it. That's confirmation bias at work. And similarly, in your life in general, if you believe that, for instance, you, you know, your, your life's terrible, you're having a bad life, you will actually look for evidence to support that theory. And you just end up building and building and building this more and more negative, um, negative view of your life. So, yeah, I think confirmation bias has an awful lot to do with it. Okay, yeah, I think that's really that is actually really helpful, and I think it is a trap that that many of us could fall into, um, just just becoming more entrenched in your own way of thinking and actually looking for aspects, for example, like an example you give of the boss and someone's character or in your life, to really reaffirm what you think rather than looking for perhaps the opposite. Uh, which would, would change your perspective and would lift you out of that and and perhaps start to alleviate the negativity that you might be in the grip of. So I think that's a, that's a really good thing to, um, to keep in mind. And the next question is, what is your golden nugget of advice for someone who is caught in the grip of negativity? Well, something I, I've, I've written about in a couple of my books is um, is a a philosophy which I've used successfully in, in my counselling work with many, many clients, solution-focused thinking, which really, I guess, is very much the, the polar extreme of confirmation bias. Um, how how solution-focused thinking works is that, uh, let's take that example again of someone who believes that their life is is really bad, you think your life is terrible, it's, it's, a, it's all black and so on. It may well be 
that there are things happening in your life to, to lead you to that conclusion. It may well be you might have relationship problems, money problems. You might have genuine real-world problems. But for almost all of us, except in the most extreme examples, we all have something good going in our life. Now, if confirmation bias has led you to believe that nothing is going right, you might have to dig quite deep to find something that's, that's good. But the idea with solution-focused thinking is that you look out for the things that are going right for you. Might only be a small thing, but something that's going right for you. And you start to focus on those and use those as the building blocks to get you out of that negativity. Coming back to alcohol as an example, uh, let's say that um, you stop drinking and you're, you're feeling very down. You know, you, you, especially in those uh, very early days, you know, you, the drink's gone. You might miss it. You probably do. You might be experiencing some physical withdrawal. Difficult time. And, and it's for that time, of course, I wrote the 10-day alcohol detox plan. But with solution-focused thinking, um, I would encourage people to think, well, yeah, this is going on. And, yeah, I don't quite like these feelings I'm having just at the moment. But focus on the good stuff that's starting to happen in your life as a result of, um, of turning things around. Focus on, you know, perhaps the money you're saving or perhaps the relationship that you're saving or the, the good things that are starting to happen in your health. Focus on those instead and that will help you to get out of any negative feelings that you might have about your situation. That I've often in my in my counselling work is that uh, you know so someone may have an appointment to to see me you know when I when I worked in in this work in the past and um, they come to see me and they see this as a, as an opportunity to offload all those negative things mm. that have been going on especially as you know counselling sessions do tend to start off with a. Uh, a sort of catch up, a bit of resume of what's been happening since the last time you saw that person. And uh, frequently what will happen is all, all the terrible doom and gloom stuff. And, you know, you, you, it's necessary to go through that because there may, there may be real issues that, that, that need to be sorted out, perhaps quite urgent issues. But often it's, it's, it's just a, a general feeling, you know, things aren't going your way and so forth. So in that situation, often, uh, after the initial discussion, I might then say to someone, I say, well, since the last time I saw you, tell me about things that have gone right for you. And that can really turn around the counselling session because for the first time, perhaps that day or perhaps that week, the person actually does start to focus on things that, well, yeah, you know, such and such happened and I've been getting on better with so-and-so or, or whatever it might be. And you can then start building on the positive stuff. That doesn't mean that, you know, things that are going on in someone's life that, that are genuinely bad can be ignored. Far from it. Um, but, you know, focusing on the good stuff gives you um, the, the way forward. It gives you the, the way out of um, the difficulties that you're in. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just think the solution-focused thinking is such a, a major 
concept that can help people get out of this negativity and you know just like and just to be clear that it's not about necessarily about just about gratitude or about being positive or about looking on the bright side well all of those things are like really important but it's about looking at the things you know as, as you've mentioned that are going well and perhaps applying what's going well in one situation to what's going well in a different situation or looking at that and how that can help someone and, and provide solutions for perhaps other issues that are going on. Um, or I know, I mean, you've written about this in your books, you know, that uh, a situation perhaps, you know, bring it back <clears throat> to the context of someone stopping drinking or trying to stop drinking or finding it difficult to maintain their efforts to stop drinking. I know that you've applied that concept directly in your work with people because you recount a story of someone who, I mean, it was quite, it was quite amusing in some ways, but it was a story of someone who, um, who would say, for example, you know, I, I'm just paraphrasing off the top of my head, but like, you know, so like Monday to Friday, uh, they were tempted to, to to drink every night. It was a real struggle. And often they did drink a lot. And then sort of Saturday night, they didn't drink. So you said to them, well, what do you do Saturday night? Well, I play Scrabble with my friend. And then it was mm. like, well, can't you play more Scrabble? You know, so that is a very, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm raising a, you know, quite a simple, straightforward sort of little scenario. But just to make the point, it's not just about being grateful it's about actually looking at what you are grateful for and what works, but thinking, well, can you do more of that as a solution to to those difficulties, as as you've mentioned? And uh... yeah, and I, I think, well, I, I think it's it it's you know, I I mean, things like uh, things like you know, sort of like having a, a positive attitude and so forth, and yeah, can you do that all the time? Well, probably can't really, and you know, and 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 just trying to put a smile on your face when things are genuinely going wrong, is that really helpful? Maybe might help for a little while, might help for a few minutes, but solution-focused thinking will actually find the good that is genuinely going on, and use that as a strategy for turning things around. Um, it's very different to you know having a positive attitude and and, and try or, or or worse than that trying try to put on a positive attitude because because you think that you should. Um, but it is very much about solutions. So there you have it. Thank you for listening today. In the next episode, Lewis David will answer some more of our readers' questions including the writing process and he will share details of some of his favourite books. Until next week, thanks so much for being here. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.